Hello and welcome to the Animation Communication Podcast, your source for discussion about animation, film, fandom, and more. So please join your host, I Love Kim Possible a Lot, or KP, and Lauren Kizich, the Abbey Roadie, for today's discussion. If you like what you hear, please remember to support by giving a like, a follow, as well as subscribing to the main I Love Kim Possible a Lot channel on YouTube. Spread the word and keep being a part of a great community. This episode is appropriate for all ages. And Hi everyone, welcome to this episode of Animation Communication. If you've been keeping up with the feed, this is our first one in a little bit. By a little bit, probably like a couple weeks. Oh, you're so deprived. Um, anyway, <laughs> like so they I'm don't have a keep... backlog of content to go to in the meantime. But <laughs> some some people listen to the whole thing. I post my two cons on this uh, recording, I guess, and I had a whole three people come up and tell me they like the podcast. So they might be listening to every week. I don't know. There's 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 people out there, Lauren. There's at least three of them. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I mean, we, we wouldn't be here if there was nobody listening to us. Well, then again, we may be rambling to ourselves because we are great conversationalists to each other. So, you know, there's that. <laughs> Lauren's not real. She's just a voice in my head. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for our show today because uh, we have t- uh, two very special guests that will be uh, talking about a short film that they made, an independent animated short film. And uh, But before we do get to that, um, we will do our What's the Sitch news update. And I guess we've got a couple headlines here. I might as well just like uh, lead right into them. Uh, but our first one is uh, The Ghost and Molly McGee, Disney's uh, upcoming show. It should be starting in October. Uh, it's an animated musical show about a a girl who moves into a new home and there's a ghost that lives at the house and basically because I I guess more or less because he curses her to be haunted by him for the rest of her life or something like that that basically she's like now I have a new friend because she's not faced by ghosts so (laughs) so it's basically their uh, their adventures together and uh, they just got greenlit for season two already ahead of their season one premiere and Basically, I figured that was going to be the case because, not going to lie, I have been seeing positions posted for Ghost and Molly McGee for different uh, storyboard sequences. So <laughs> I figured that was going to be the case when the news dropped, but that's good news. I'm very excited about the show. What about you, KP? I like spooky things, so I guess we'll see. I don't know. Like, I just like, I hope it's not just like a stupid, like, you know, Casper thing where they're just like, oh, they're friends and they're never going to dress like the fact that he's a ghost. So I'm like, how'd he die, ghost? I want some creepy backstory. Go well, ahead. Well, I mean, I'm, you've seen some of the, the, the footage of it before, right? Yeah, yeah, I've seen footage of it. Okay, because uh, I mean, yeah, it's, I mean, they'll, they'll most likely go into that kind of stuff, but they want to make sure that they establish the vibe of the show first, which as we have seen with a number of Disney shows, it's funny that it'll often stop, start with like something happy or uh, or lighthearted, and then as people are now used to that, they start going into the heavier themes and tones. Uh, with this one, I'm not sure. We'll we'll see where they go with it. Um, I'm sure, given that there's a ghost involved, they will have to address something about death. But <laughs> I want my spooky things. And so, uh, but we'll see with season one. Given that they gave the green light to the green light to season two already, uh, it looks like there's a lot of confidence in the show being a success, which I'm banking on it too because I've been very, very excited about it for a very long time. Uh, especially, being, you know, somebody who loves musicals a whole lot. And um, 
So yeah. All right. I, I did the math in my head. I'm like, oh, it's a ghost musical. I get it. What do you mean it's a ghost musical? <laughs> <laughs> it's some ghost musical. It's like Lauren's like one of one of three favorite things. Oh. <laughs> oh well, there's there's Beetlejuice. Yeah, sure, but that's that makes two ghost musicals. <laughs> I know, but it's like, you know, how many ghost musical genres are there, you know? <laughs> but anyway, uh, and I will say for the second headline, because this was definitely within, like, at least as of recording this, within the past 24 hours, uh, maybe even 48 hours, um, is that uh, footage has dropped teasing the season five finale of Rick and Morty. Uh, that has, uh, nobody knows if it has anything to do with an episode or if it's just uh, to promote the season. But they have been doing live action clips to promote Rick and Morty. And it's basically showing a live action Rick and a live action Morty. With Rick being played by Christopher Lloyd. Yes, the the, Legend. the guy who played Doc Brown, who was the original inspiration for Rick. And then we have um, uh, Jaden Martell, who if you have watched the It series, the new It series from like 2017 and 2019. 2020 something like that uh basically the new the new series uh he is in there and he is portraying morty in the live action segments with him so uh and it's funny because yeah again rick and morty started out as more or less a parody of doc and marty from back to the future so it's kind of funny that we see um christopher lloyd coming in as rick and so they've been doing a few segments uh, i think they may be doing a few dropping a few more we'll see uh Again, we don't know. Nobody knows to this. To, I mean, this I have a guess. Nobody knows when it's going to ha- happen. If it's even part of an episode, or if it was just a big promo thing that they're doing. Which I'll admit, that's a dang good way to promote it because suddenly everybody's going to be talking about it, right? So, uh, yeah, I'm in, I'm in, I'm intrigued to see where they're going. With um, this. yeah, my guess is they've already been. I mean, like slight spoilers, but they've already been implying that the Rick. Um, that is in the the main show. Rick is not the correct Rick in the his C one thirty seven dimension or whatever. So I think what they're going in they're going for is that Doc Brown Rick is the correct Rick, and that cartoon Rick somehow exported him or something like that. And as as you guys know, because I did a, a video called the worst episode of Rick and Morty. I am a big fan of Rick and Morty, <laughs> and season five in general has been very hit or miss. Um, the misses are very like, why did we spend money writing this? This why did we do this? Like the stupid, um, I won't curse because this is a this is a nice episode, but the stupid episode where Rick has or Morty and Summer make a space incest baby, and I'm just like, did we need this? Like even if it was a setup for another, like at least they they call back to that thing but like did we need to make this and like the behind the scenes um clip of them talking about it was just like well we wanted to make underground horses or something and i'm just like no rick and morty like i don't care if you're tired of making this show you guys are getting paid so much to make the show like can you make sure you only have 10 episodes per season can you make sure all 10 episodes are good thank you so um we have episodes like that, but the good episodes are really good. Like the like the Planetini episode is fantastic. Um, the bird the bird band episode, which was the episode before this, so that's kind of setting up the season finale, was great and fantastic. And I love Rick, but having a vulnerable Rick is even better because character development Rick is even better. So I'm curious to see 
how the season finale ties into this, but essentially Adult Swim has also been very good at as far as, you know, they like they dropped the whole episode of season the the first episode of the season. Sorry, I had to think about it. The first episode of the season just straight on YouTube and which was great promotion. So, you know, Rick and Morty's still got a while to go, so it needs I'm hoping they try to be smart to make it fresh, but from what they are going with if they do like a Christopher Lloyd thing, I think that will be really great. And maybe we'll get some canon backstory, some more canon backstory on top of Birdman canon backstory because Birdman episode was great. So I'll, I'll come back and I'll be like, I called it or I, I don't call it. So we'll see what happens. And then uh, my other stupid news story is um, in case you guys care about Kim Possible a lot, um, Box Lunch has launched a exclusive Loungefly collection of, um, uh, there's a Kim Possible Loungefly purse, um, that's like one of the travel bag purse, but purse and wallet. So that is the first piece of, besides t-shirts, I guess t-shirts don't count. That's the first piece of, um, you know, original Kim Possible merch, um, in a very long time, physical merch. So, um, I bought it, like, instinctively, so it's, um, it's got Rufus and it's got Bueno Nacho on it. I'm just like, yay, it's like the one thing I like. So as we continue on, I'm writing a video about, um, you know, the live action. I mean, it prefaces the live action uh, Disney stuff. But like, as we're continuing on into the realm of things of Disney, seeing how things have aged well, then I have a feeling they might try to do some Kim Possible something again once people forget about the live-action movie, and we'll hopefully have a continuation with my amazing idea of having Jackie in college and fun times ensue, so call me Disney. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, like, the next, you know, ten years in disney Dome and just en entertainment in general sh should be interesting, and then, obviously, with the with the new horse thing, we got new horse things. So. That comes at the end of the month for, for yes, the next gen of My Little Pony for... Uh... Yeah, so oh, I'm 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 excited to see where they go with this, especially with it yeah. being in that same universe. So, uh, and of course, it looks really good too. Like that is some like that is some nicely rendered animation, and I like the character models. It'll be interesting to see where the story goes and how this how this film launches G five. Um, yeah, 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 and I think, like I said, um, I think it was really smart for them to do a same universe and not just isolate people that grew up with the um, with the show and. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it'll probably be out by the time this episode gets released, but we're doing basic, we're doing probably the last Pony video. Unless I want to talk about G5, I am not forcing myself to talk about the G5 movie, but if I want to, I will. Um, so, you know, it'll probably be the last, you know, Pony video if I don't talk about it for, for a hot sec, because I just did one. I, I mean, the more toy video I'm counting is one, even though it's not really one. Um... So, yeah, I guess, you know, we'll see what happens. But my, my joke being, like, you know, the implication of having everything in the same universe. It's like, you know, all your favorite characters, like Rarity and Twilight Sparkle, they're all dead. So, um, you know, I'm curious to see if they're, like, in some time bubble or something, whatever. So they're not actually all dead because, you know, that's kind of a depressing afterthought of, like, oh, I guess, you know, I guess they're all dead. It's fine. So you know, depressing horse things, so, and I imagine they'll probably, Discord will probably show up eventually, because he's immortal, so, you know, they got nothing, nothing to lose there, so, not like John's doing really anything, oh yeah, he's doing Picard, that's a, but that's probably over by now, so, 
But yeah, so basically we can pretty much segue into... Yeah, that our, was a lot. Sorry, no, no, I talked it's okay. We can basically segue right into our, our discussion now. Uh, so this is a, a, the short film Let's Eat. And uh, I, again, I'm not going to give any... I'm not going to give any spoilers here for the film. And we're not going to go into any spoilers for it. But what I will say is it's very good. And I'm very excited to... Have the have the producer and the director on for the film today, and as at KPS, as I'm sure you are too. So, uh, so yeah, let's get right to it. All right. So uh, Lauren found our talent this week uh, through a contact that she met, or she has from uh, back in her high school days. So Lauren, I'll let you go ahead and talk about who you had, and um, you know a little bit about the like your understanding of the project, and then we'll throw it to the people who actually did the project and a little bit of, you know, that's what the podcast is for. Sorry, this is awkward. Go ahead, Lauren. It's okay. So, uh, yeah. So uh, we, I was able to find out about this project through my old high school friend, Rachel, not this Rachel, the, the other Rachel, (laughs) the Rachel I've known for like almost 15 years. Um, we met way, way back freshman year in high school. Uh, she currently works with wild canary uh, which is a stu- uh, animation studio, and she's also been simultaneously been working on a short film that's been uh, that actually made s- some amazing rounds in in the uh, film uh, film festival circuit over the past year. And uh, I had the chance to screen it recently, and I'm not going to go into spoiler territory here, but it's very, very, very good. <laughs> and um, and so I wanted to be able to have. Uh, we both talked about it when we were thinking we wanted to promote the the short film on the podcast because it will be making its online debut very, very soon for the public to see. So that means all of you guys at home get to watch it. Yeah, as well as, um, oh, I was just going to throw in, I don't think we've really had an episode. We've done a lot of like episodes about like everything from producing stuff online to, I mean, that's kind of the the general expertise of of this this kind of podcast but to producing more independent stuff but I don't think we've done like a film festival like you know rounds how how does even that work kind of thing so I think this is relatively new territory um for us so hopefully it should be we're always open to new things <laughs> hopefully you should learn a new thing people who are w- listening I keep on saying watching but I know that's not they're not watching they're um, watching on the YouTube visualizer that's they can, what they're they doing. can watch the, the YouTube loop of us doing whatever but that doesn't really count so (laughs) (laughs) so anyway uh so uh we do have a couple guests we have the so the short film is called let's eat and uh we have the director and the producer on with us today so we have dixon and we have amy uh dixon uh why don't you lead the way and introduce yourself and then we'll uh, go to amy as well hi yeah uh so i'm dixon uh directed the film and uh it's just uh it's a film that I guess uh, we started kind of thinking about uh, four four years ago about, and fa- fast forward to now, we finished, uh, we finished about a year ago, but it was quite a journey. Um, and I'll pass it over to Amy. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely a journey. <laughs> Hi, I'm, I'm Amy, and I'm the producer of Let's Eat, and it was a journey. It was a blast, and it was a journey. There was so much happened in, in the past four or five years. <laughs> Um, before we go into the, 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 the more questions, uh, for people who don't know those terms, can you just guys just generally define director and producer as far as maybe even your job specifically on a short film versus maybe like a more traditional feature film as far as 
those kind I mean, they're similar roles, but maybe, you know, kind of the difference in, in tone and, you know, scope of finding talent and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, I think if we did a big picture of what director and producer does, I think the director can basically is in charge of like the creative vision of the film and the producer does the business side and actually makes the film happen. Uh, I think Dixon can probably speak more to the director, but for the producer, in that sense, that could be in the capacity of, you know, finding the right talent, finding uh, funds for the film or the production, finding like the technology for it, uh, making sure like talking to the director and making their vision come true. And, you know, or telling them, like, no, you can't do that. <laughs> we don't have the funds for it. So I think they do a lot of things. And for a bigger studio, it could involve actually talking to studios or, you know, talking to sponsors such as Netflix or Disney. And then indie film that's Kickstarter <laughs> or, you know, other means to making it happen. So, yeah. Dixon, did you want to elaborate on director? Yeah, sure. So uh, the... I, I guess the way I look at it is director and producer is like one brain, but but just different parts <laughs> of it. So uh, I guess as a, a director, um, you know, director is responsible for the, the creative vision and also kind of leads the team in terms of like how to get there. So um, uh, I was uh, leading the team in, uh, in like, oh, like uh, texturing or animation. Basically every department, uh, I would give notes on how Oh, this 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 eyes like too uh, wide open, or like this uh, this this chair is too like brown or something like that. So just <laughs> How dare every that detail kind of goes through. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's pretty. I, I mean, that's a big picture of, of what a director does. Great. So um, I'm and again, I'm really glad we were all able to like be able to pull together to talk about this film. And again, we're gonna try and be as. Um, we're going to try to be spoiler-free with this, again, because I, not, depending on when the episode drops and when you guys release the film, we want to make sure that everybody goes in really fresh. So um, I guess, though, what we want to do is go over into the first question, which would be, uh, how did you come up with the story for Let's Eat? Uh, was it inspired by family, friends? What inspired that? Um, sure, I can answer this. Um, actually, it started out with... Um, so... Amy and I actually made a short film called Jane and Thousand, and we went to um, uh, a convention and showed it off to uh, Tonko House. Um, and uh, Robert and Dice saw that short, and they were like, "Oh, this is really good. You guys should make another one." So, um, very kindly, they very—I I don't know. It was—I don't think it was. It, they definitely challenged us. They were like, "Oh, this is like pretty good for only studying animation for a year." But you can do better. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, if you, I think the wording was, was like, you know, it would be a disservice if you did anything less. Yeah, they were saying, like, if we see your next, uh, um, like, film, like, we have really high expectations, so you guys better not disappoint us. <laughs> so, yeah, it was, like, so brutal. It was very <laughs> encouraging. I thought, I, I mean, I felt it was encouraging, and then... Um, yeah. I was intimidated, but then I was just like, okay, yeah, we could do this. So I asked Amy, I was like, hey, do you want to do another one? Because we just finished that that, um, that short. And then she said yes. And then um, and then you were thinking of some ideas, right, Amy? What was, what was your, your idea that you, you were thinking of? 
I I was thinking because it was like me, Dixon, and then we had a member named Andy, and we were. I was thinking of things of what do we like as a group of three people, and I was like food. Oh yeah, we love eating, right? So then I, you know, we talked. I talked to Dixon about like what if we did something about food or you know I don't know some like really sad story of like a child starving or something or I don't know. And then I think Dixon took away and he thought about like what did food. Mean to him, and I don't want to see your thunder, Dixon. Like you should explain this. Well, yeah, I mean, she was mentioning how like um like her mom would make her like salmon in the morning for breakfast, and then it kind of I was really spoiled. Every time she <laughs> ate it, it would give her like like a euphoria, right? So I was like, oh, I just want to capture that somehow. And I was thinking about oh, like how you know, par- uh, you know, family, food, and 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 parents, and I got really inspired, and I started to just write a treatment. Uh, of this this story that I wanted to tell, and then uh, I guess like a couple weeks later, I, I I went back to Amy and said, "Hey, I got a story. I want to pitch it to you." It was in her kitchen, and I pitched her the story, and I believe she liked it. <laughs> and it's she's like, I cried. She cried. I cried. I cried. Yeah. And then uh, she was like, "We got to make this," and um, that was the be- beginning. Uh, so it started out with the three of us, and then started storyboarding. Um, working on the animatic, and then oh, oh, Amy, do you want to talk about Nimble or that part? Oh, well, I mean, I think you know um, uh, Lauren and KP. <laughs> you got <laughs> well, it. You got get it. carried away a lot, so like, like you know, I think yeah, that's kind of how we came up with the story of Let's Eat. It just and then it just like you know the the ball really got rolling and we were in over our heads. Oh yeah, I was just going to ask like um as far as you mentioned um uh, an animation convention. So like Lauren and I will do more traditional like comic conventions. So like that's kind of where my brain is as far as like people like more nerd IP centric things. So um I guess we you've kind of brushed upon like light lightbox and all those things, all the like animation specific conventions, but if you could talk about like, you know, how you know, the first church film happened, like submitting it to that first convention, maybe a little bit about how you guys met. I, I am assuming that you guys met in school, but, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. So if you can kind of light a little bit about that, I am curious. Wow, you made it so formal of like how we submitted our, like the <laughs> J9000. It's like a 40 second short film. But honestly, we made it in three months. We finished rendering it. I think I was sleeping and Dixon and Andy was like staying up to five <laughs> in the morning and then one hour later we drove down to LA. That's the true animator <laughs> story. And then <laughs> we and then we put it on like our iPad or something or like, you know, and then we just walked around uh the Creative Talent Network uh kind of. Oh, okay, CTN. yeah, CTN. Yeah, you know, uh, yeah. So you CTN. walked around. So you walked around the the hotel the, by Bob. We walked around the hotel. <laughs> yep. We like walked the floor. Like in we were, when we were in line getting our tickets, we would like show the people next to us. You know what they thought or whatever. You know, like it was very informal. We just showed it to anyone that was will- who would willing give us to the see us. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then we just got really fortunate with. Dyson Robert at Hulka House uh, because they were um, I think they just randomly posted on Facebook being like this time to this time Dyson Robert will see these people who first comment on this post 
and I was the, literally the first one because I got a Facebook notification. And I was like, <laughs> oh, yes, okay. Need to do this. Why well, you got to turn on your notifications, guys, for everything. Yeah, you on never Facebook, know. on Instagram. You never know. Yeah, and then we, and then that's how we got to show them. So this is kind of crazy. Uh, about three years later, uh, Taco House hired Amy, so she oh, worked wow. there for. Or, yes, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I got to work with for Dice and Robert, and it was surreal because I told them, and then they just like nicely nodded because I don't think they remembered us. <laughs> 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 but it was it was all good, yeah. Because uh, yeah, they were really impressed by the short film that they inspired, so it was good. <laughs> it was fine. <laughs> okay, yeah. I was just like, um, I'm, I'm thinking about um, we've we've been sitting on this short for a while. Uh, that we were going to start uh, boarding, but then COVID happened. So I'm like, we're going to make this thing for film festivals when the film festivals aren't happening. So I'm going to kind of also like use the podcast to pick your brains as far as like, how do you submit things? How do you get the prettier words that you can put on the thumbnail <laughs> of the video? They look so fancy. So those kind of questions. Yeah. You know, I feel like going through the process of film festivals, now I'm just like, it's all an illusion. It's like... <laughs> not as fancy as you would think but it's you know yeah i can i'll answer all your questions you know even rachel uh, rachel yelnick can answer your questions because i feel like she you know did most of it she did most of it the teammates she did it yeah she she did did a lot of it like juggling three jobs i think too it was less i know yeah she's a she's a force yeah she's a force to be reckoned with yeah, she was. She's always like been incredibly organized and efficient. That's as long as I've known her. So she. So I mean, I admire her so much. Yeah, yeah, she's great. Yeah, and uh, now that I got to, you know, you got to step one. You got to be like, okay, now you got your story for for Let's Eat. How did you uh, meet and assemble the rest of your production team? Like, I got to uh, briefly meet with uh beverly and rachel uh, along with you dixon before this um so why don't you like touch a little bit on on your team um should i tackle this dixon yeah that's all you i can give yeah yeah producer bringing people together right (laughs) (laughs) that's what that's our that's our job um there you go yeah you know i um yeah dixon tells me always or he has to remind me that i'm the glue of the team and i think i humbly agree uh <laughs> even though i don't like to admit it because i don't know how to take a compliment so uh <laughs> but for let's eat oh wow so you know i think to just give a disclaimer we had no idea what we were doing and so i thought that we would finish let's eat with five people and six months <laughs> um that sounds <laughs> yeah exactly so i mean you could probably do it but you I might was, die I, you know, yeah, but we, you know, it just wasn't possible because we were like, oh, and also it's going to be volunteer. <laughs> and so, you know, I think uh, as I, in, in not knowing animation too, I, as we were continuing our journey of creating Let's Eat, we just learned one thing after another of like, oh, we need people to do layout. We need people to do set dressing. We need actually a lot of animators. Uh, we need like and these people called lighters. Like we need people to build a pipeline, um, and so I think the team in the span of three and a half years grew from three people to a hundred fifty. Oh wow, that's that's a big lot. Wow. 
it was it was a lot yeah and it was that it was that size because um because it was volunteer mm-hmm. oh you know, yeah like an animator can like we our i think our biggest team was animators we had 33 36 people uh i think 33 animators and then three uh production management um to manage those people <laughs> And so, uh, but, like, in terms of how our team grew is, like, well, learning what we actually needed to create an animated film, and then finding them. And we kind of found them through all kinds of means. Uh, So there was, like, Facebook. Like, we had our more social friends post on their Facebook of, like, hey, do you do animation? Do you want to join? Like, or, like, talk to these people. And then I think, um, you know, we also went to CTN and, like, you know, we put pamphlets down of, like, reach out to us for, like, these types of positions. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe that's how we actually met Rachel. Uh, um, or, I'm so sorry, Rachel, if I get this wrong. So, <laughs> uh, but, and then uh, we also met word of mouth. And so I think the way that we ran our team and I a lot of our teammates really liked it and so i think they just recommended to their friends being like hey like you should join this team or like talk to them to see if they have a position for you um we also went to schools and stuff Mm -hmm. as well i just want to add to um uh, i think we had really nice artwork too that kind of uh attracted people to our our film as well so we had a nice website yeah we had a really good website i think that yeah that really helped too and we also used artella which i'm i don't think exists anymore oh yeah or it turned it turned into a different product right right uh, i don't know if you know what artella is i do not oh wow it's been that long <laughs> it's like that. Uh, Oh, Amy, go, yeah. go ahead yeah no go for it dixon uh i think it was kind of like a facebook for um animators like uh in terms of getting together like, oh i need a uh like a an animator or i need a lighter and then they post something and then you can oh that would have been nice to, to know yeah, about i'm like, like <laughs> forever ago yeah nobody yeah. told me about that either <laughs> it was really cool i mean they it was around for a while i'm not, I'm not sure why they shut down i'm not, not quite sure i think it's because they were trying to be like nimble collective oh, like, because too much like right so now. artella like had like a social like media not like a social aspect to it where like you could create a profile and then people can find you or you could search for projects like to work on and for each project they would like put a position saying like we're looking for lighters or animators or blah 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 and people would just apply uh but then and then you could also i think uh, the perk of it was like you could actually store your project on artella so like your files and like your maya files or whatever so it was almost like a dropbox uh, as well that was associated with each project nice but then i think they shut it down because i think they got enough investors who i guess weren't interested in the social part of it so i don't know what happened to artella it disappeared but we definitely uh used it to get uh gain some of our teammates we we, we have a handful from artella so just i think the lesson is like um you know amy pretty much like was reaching out in every aspect or any any avenue you know and it worked yeah we found um there was one of the animators was through artella she found our project and she was a lead animator on the dragon Prince. oh wow and she she volunteered for us and i was just like are you sure and are you sure like, yeah and then i was just like <laughs> yeah and i was just like mind blown i i was just like okay jody you're so cool Actually, there's there's a, a few uh, really like uh, professionals that worked on our film 
as volunteers just for the sake of it. It was really cool. Yeah, that that was awesome. Yeah, I was just curious because uh, one of the things that uh, we always have problems with not like is finding people that want to work for free or want to work for volunteer. And there's uh, you probably you guys probably know this already, but for the viewers out there, um, whatever the listeners, whatever. Um, 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 audience you have to kind of like there's kind of that big stigma about like don't work or volunteer you know you're gonna get you know taken advantage of yada 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 and i think that's kind of a uh misdirect as long as you you know you know the project you trust the people they have the project organized and you know like what you want to specifically get out of it or if you're just professional you just kind of want to network or whatever um, I think, you know, a lot of times, I've probably said this before, but a lot of times, you know, those nonprofit um, projects, you know, really give people that maybe don't have access to art school or don't have access to tools to get better, um, kind of a chance to practice in a way that might they'll get positive, you know, criticism and things like that. So, right. you know, I think it's a very case by case basis. But yeah, go ahead. I heard you, someone say something. No, I was, I was agreeing with you. <laughs> okay. Yeah, totally yeah. agree that there's this like really strong stigma where it's like, no matter what, don't volunteer. But like, I think that's really strong. And because like, I think like since we're doing art, right? Uh, art is something where we do because we're humans, we express, we want to tell stories and things like that. And animation is just one of those art mediums where you probably can't do it by yourself unless you, you know, you have like 20, 10, 20 years of experience and, and things like that. But even then, like people specialize in certain departments and like, you know, it takes a team to do an animation and so I think when it comes to, like, you know, your personal project, you probably would want to collaborate with other people. Mm -hmm. But, like, would you pay yourself or other people to do a personal project or when you're exploring? Like, no. So, like, I think when it comes to volunteering, like, the, like the rules that I follow, I think it's, like, four rules, which is, like, one, it has to be a project I believe in. Two, it has to be people that I like working with. Three, it has to be something that I like doing. And four, it has to be something I, ha I have to be learning something. And if, if, it, if it meets those four criterias, great. Like sign me up, volunteer, let's do this. And if one of those things are not being met, like, yeah, pay me because I'm not going to work with people <laughs> I don't like. <laughs> or like, I don't want to work in a project that I don't believe in, right? So yeah, for, those four things. And I feel like you can find that actually pretty often especially if you work with people who are like-minded as yeah you. and as long as you like put that you know you're not trying to 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 trick people or anything or you put that out there it's like hey like this is volunteer you know but if that's okay with you then xyz kind of thing so i think there's also kind of a stigma and like the whole like oh yeah this will be great and people don't you know it might be implied but people don't outright say oh this is a volunteer and then they're like oh i assumed i'd get money where'd the money go and you know so oh yeah have to be magic. very clear about that yeah i think when dixon and i interviewed people to join let's eat i think we would spend like an hour in the beginning with every person just like talking to them like getting to know them and also setting expectations like i think as a team culture what really worked for us um was that we were looking out for our volunteers so you would you know you would ask them like what would they want to achieve what was their dream job how we could we get them to their dream job uh and as well as like you know 
making sure we could add to to their portfolio and stuff like that. So I think caring about your teammates like really helps um, with the volunteer work and also setting that expectation. I had another thought, but I don't, I just lost it. So, but maybe it takes in, you could elaborate on that. Well, I, yeah, I want to say too, um, just joining a, a, a short film in general, especially if you don't have experience, is a great way to gain a lot of experience. Not only the, the doing the work itself, but being able to work as a team. You know, so yeah. I, I think if you're kind of coming out of school and you don't have experience, I think volunteering for a short film is a great way. I mean, for us, Amy and I, we didn't have any experience, so that's why we did this short film to begin with, and and now we have so much more experience afterwards. So. Uh, I think it's it's totally worth it. Now you're on a podcast talking about your experience that you have now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, that's my two cents. Yeah, and, um, you know, in discussing, you know, with your team members and finding your team members and when you finally had your team, uh, I know this was like, again, this was a new venture for everyone involved that you, like you said, like we didn't really know what we were doing. So we we're just trying to find our way through it. What were some of the hurdles you faced in the different stages of production? Oh my God. So <laughs> I had a feeling that might be the I, response. I, I just, the, you know, I, I feel like there was at least Four 20, thousand. if not more, but like, you know, there was or but I think there were like definitely like three or four major events for sure. Like, I think the, like one of the first ones was like when we were talking about budget to our team, I think Dixon and I were handling it pretty casually. I think the way that we delivered our message to the team, they were very hurt by it. Um, and like we had to like, you know, talk to our team and make sure we were all on the same page when it was talking to budget and making sure that like, you know, they weren't underappreciated. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think the way that we were like, like handling our money or Dixon, do you remember that when that happened? Sure. Yeah. So, uh, early on, um, we knew that we had to bring on contractors, uh, for things that, that, you know, um, we couldn't do like rigging or building a pipeline. So we wanted to be transparent with the team. So early on, we made a video saying, by the way, um, there will be some members on the team that will, will be paid, but we just want to be upfront and make sure they know they like kind of knew what was, what was happening. And then I think, uh, I think a few days later, got wind that some members were kind of upset. Um, so then we kind of reached out to them and, and kind of talked to them. I wanted to hear what they had to say. Uh, long story short, um, they kind of understood why we had to do this and... Uh, you know, everything worked out. Like, they, like some of the members turned out to be the, our, our most like uh, competent and team leaders after all. But um, it's just that was a, a tough one that, that Amy and I struggled a lot with. We didn't we didn't want any bad feelings, um, even though we yeah. thought we were being trans- transparent. It still it still kind of hurt the team, and I felt I felt bad about that. Yeah, um, I just wanted to add the one one of the things that's kind of hard um, in general is when when you're kind of doing when you're making kind of quote unquote the hard decisions is that um, artists a lot of the time, not all of them, but a lot of them are introverted. So sometimes they might not tell you they feel X way like directly, or they might just kind of, you know, be shy about saying what the problem is and stuff like that. And then you have to like a problem with me is Lauren, I could fetch to Lauren too. It's just like, now I'm afraid everyone's always saying something bad or something like that, because if there's problems, sometimes I feel like if you're if artists are introverted and they're afraid to kind of speak up and they mm-hmm. you know 
there might be problems that kind of come out that might not get addressed. So I imagine that was a not a, not a big hurdle, but that might have been a factor with uh, what you guys were dealing with as well. Yeah, I think I think so. Yeah. Yeah, people not like speaking up about their minds. I think a lot of them were going to until Dixon reached out to them, uh, and then like you know they would he would have like two like one to like three hour conversations with them. Yeah, but by the end of it, because Dixon is such a great people person, <laughs> like, you know, I think the team was stronger for it. Uh, so, yeah, for sure. That was, like, one of the struggles. And then, like, another struggle was, like, our pipeline disappearing. Mm-hmm. And, like, uh, and, or, like, you know, some, uh, like, or, un- like, unruly team members or... Uh, what was the other struggle, Dixon? Uh, well, those those are the main big ones, I think. <laughs> so what happened yeah, with the, the pipeline, if I could ask? Uh, oh, sure. Do you want to go for it, Dixon? Um, sure. Uh, a long story, but I'll make it short. Um, so we were working with a company um, that kind of hosted our, our pipeline, our servers, and had a, a render solution. And uh, it basically got bought out, and so all the servers had to shut down. So in the middle of our production we had all to stop like we can render we can work on anything um but the but the company did say hey but you can use our services you just have to build it from scratch again so then um <laughs> so i spent like you know uh, the the next four months with a very small group of technical people from our team rebuilding our pipeline uh, uh again and then and i don't even know how, how to do computer stuff so i had to learn how to use Linux and uh, how to build a render render farm uh, from scratch. It was kind of crazy. Oh but, wow! Um, yeah. Yeah. Four months later, we were able to render our first image, and that was the greatest day <laughs> of my life. So the, the yeah, day where everyone so clinked wild. glasses. <laughs> yeah. I yeah it was yeah so wild because like we were so happy for like the company we were working with because they were like you know our mentors and like really good friends. But then also, like, they're like, hey, in two days, like, you won't have access to your data anymore. But we're going to keep it safe for you until we can put it into a format where you can access it again. So we're like, oh, my gosh, (laughs) like, we have two, we have 48 hours to download as much, like, data as possible. And so, like, I had to... Um, we like met up with some people and then like a few people, you know, because we couldn't really tell anyone. And then we had to strategically decide who, which data we were going to download because there was a lot of data because at this point we were in layout and animation. Um, and so we were like, okay, what do the animators exactly need to animate? Do they need the sets? No, they just need the characters to like to animate and then we can like put it into the sets later on. And then, you know, the layout artists, like they can't, do much because they need the whole pipeline in order to do their work because it's a lot of like referencing and things like that and then but so then we were like okay we could download things from the modelers and textures for these specific files because these are the things that need to be done now for the next like three months and so that was a pretty crazy two days of just like hustling really hard to make sure that our team could still keep going and thankfully there wasn't too much of a hitch where like no one was just sitting on their hands. We they were still working along and chugging along. But yeah, I think that definitely did like push back our production by like three months. Yeah, because we had to build that rendering farm and stuff like that. That just that just feels painful hearing it. I can't imagine being in it. <laughs> 
<laughs> it was wild. Yeah, I this project has put us through everything. So I mean, it, actually, we didn't even know if we would finish. Like that was the one blow that that I was like, I don't think we can finish, but uh, we just had to keep going. Oh yeah, you know, it just what what else? Like, what my, else like we do? yeah, that was crazy. Yeah. I you say that. I was like, my, my like my life flashed before my eyes, and I was just like, we're not gonna finish. Yes, it's like it's like two, like, two years of work, and then gonna you know, out, out the window. It was kind of crazy, scary. Yeah, yeah, that was wild. But then we made it, so <laughs> we made it through. Here we are. It's like, yeah, that's yeah. We, we primarily deal with two D stuff, so like that's the nice thing about two D is like none of the. The post stuff is usually incredibly complicated where we need, like, um, you know, really high power CPU and stuff like that. We can just be like, oh, I'll just put it in After Effects and, you know, that kind of thing. So, you know, doing. Yeah, it must be so nice. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a blessing and a curse in some ways, but then yeah, you have to, like, yeah. you know, then you ha- still, you know, if you're doing frame by frame, then it's being on model oh, and yeah. all that stuff is like its own set of oh, problems. It's brutal. Yeah. So. Pros and cons for each yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah, like 3D, I think, though, it's probably just more expensive, though, I think. I actually, I don't know. I I feel like they're, bo- they're both expensive in their own different ways. Yeah, it just depends, <laughs> I guess, what people are expecting and what people want to work with. So, you know. Right. All I could think of is those times when I was in college and there would be a... It, it would, there were, I guess, a certain season where sometimes power outages would just happen. And so oh, no. we had it as our ritualistic thing. We had a, uh, one of our animator animation majors would come through every like five minutes and would say saving reminder. So everybody would save <laughs> their projects in the event of anything going wrong. And right. there have been times I remember when I, there was a time I literally, cause I was, uh, cause I went to LMU to study animation. And so the animators were all on the third floor of the film building, right? At the time. Now there's this whole like new facility that they've added onto that. I still have to go see that. But um, the I remember I was heading towards the elevator and I was about to hit the button to go down. And all of a sudden, as my hands like an inch away from the button, the power went out. Oh, and no. I hear just the resounding... Wow. <laughs> just the resounding shrieks of just uh, no, no, it's like a horror no, movie, and just and, and especially on top of that, with it just the lights going out and everybody screaming that they hadn't <laughs> saved their work, no, or they had stuff that was going to a render farm and it couldn't render. It was like, uh, I and, feel their pain from here, and I, I, and I swear oh, I could gosh. hear one like weak little saving reminder <laughs> just like oh it was like I, I, I think it was like not only an instance where you know everybody was like panicking over lost stuff or were worried that they had had or their backup hadn't saved or whatever and then there was also the people that were like just about to get onto an elevator that if they had gotten on the power would have been out and they would have been stuck in an elevator too so just imagine yeah <laughs> that happened to me once oh my god but yeah, it was a uh, yeah. So that's why I I feel that when 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 everything can be lost in that in that moment and you have to like rebuild, it's it's a it's a sheer panic like that. You feel that chill run down your whole body. Like oh no, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that reminds me of a story. Um, there was one animator on our team. Um, Amy, remember Lou De La Rosa? 
Liu. Yes. So he's, yeah. he's an amazing. He actually is a Disney pro. He animated like Jafar and Scar from you know back in the day, and he was working on our film. Yeah, Andreas Dijon. Like, right? uh, no, his name is Lou De La Rosa. Oh, oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, that's right. Because there was there was the animators, lady animators, and and a bunch of people working on him. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he spent like I, I think like six to eight hours on his shot, and he works really fast, and he almost finished it, and then for some reason, uh, the I guess the the pipeline just deleted his work <laughs> completely, so he lost all of that work, and then he was like on our Slack, it's like, how does anybody work under these conditions? Like he was he was he was pretty pretty angry, but. I just, I just felt so bad for, for him. I was like, oh, man. Yeah, some are, yeah. The pipeline wasn't perfect, um, but it, given his ability to, like, you know, scale really nicely, but then I think it was, like, definitely really hard on some of our yeah. teammates when they were working and there was lag and stuff like that, and, or sometimes they would lose work. Like, I think one of our modelers, like, lost a week of work but then, thankfully, the company was able to retrieve it later. But I, at the moment, I just felt so bad because I was like, oh, my God, a week of work. Because, like, it just disappeared off of the, the database. And we're like, where did it go? That very familiar, terrible feeling. <laughs> at, at the very least, um, in the middle of, you know, learning about all of this and working your way through the, you know, through the troubleshooting and all of that and through all the hiccups in the road... Um, you did mm-hmm. say like you learned a lot through the process. Everybody did because it was a brand new process for a lot of people. And uh, so, what were some of the skills that you and your team learned from making the film that you have been able to apply to to jobs now or future jobs that you'll be able to carry forward? What were some of the skills that you took from this experience? Fighting imposter syndrome, <laughs> <laughs> uh, having confidence. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Well, it looks like you should go. Um... Like specifically, or or like, what did you learn? I I, I feel like I, I I don't know. There's just so many things I learned for on like on a technical level of like oh animation like what to look out for in every department. Mm-hmm. Like I learned so much about like modeling, texturing, layout, like lighting, animation, you know, all the everything like rendering. Um, I also learned things about like producing, like oh what was it effective way to you know uh create milestones and how do you look out for teammates and what how long things usually take and or like how to create like a really good team dynamic or like there was like personal growth too but i don't know for you dixon what were your takeaways i mean i I think since i was going through through this thing without much knowledge or experience the whole thing was uh like a a, like a big big lesson so I would say the best thing for someone who's, who wants to do this is to just make a short film and then you'll learn so much, you know. So um, I think that's that, that would be my, my, my message for, like, you know, newcomers. Just, just make it. Just do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think when it comes to, like, making a project at the scale, everyone's going to have a different takeaway for sure uh like because like you know based off their own experience or things like that and like for me i thought that the creating let's see as a final product would be the ultimate happiness but then i realized that it wasn't about the result it was about the journey 
Yeah, I was going to say, it's not the destination, it's the journey. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And as cheesy as it sounds, it honestly was about their journey. Like, and I, in some ways, didn't want it to end Mm. and couldn't believe it when it ended. Um, And so I think it was about the growth and also being able to watch the growth of people. You know, I think a lot of our goal for Let's Eat and for Animon Studios was to give people the opportunity to get jobs and that experience. And, you know, some people who were working, you know, in the service industry for a long time. And then, you know, they worked with Animon Studios and then they finally got that internship or that, like, you know, entry level job. Mm -hmm. And now they're like full time, like, animators. Or, you know, I think one of our close friends on the team, like, she was a modeler and then she finished school and then she got her internship at Pixar and now she's a full-time artist at Pixar and that was like wild you know like to contribute to her career in that way and you know I just really proud of everyone who got closer to their dreams yeah and I think um just to throw in um because I've never dealt with it with a 3d production at all um especially just dealing with the film festival thing which i guess we'll get to in a second but um i feel like too there's a lot of opportunities out there for people who maybe don't want to be the leader like from the get-go but just kind of get their feet wet with someone else's um whatever there is they're doing and i guess that's kind of um our perspective with coming in from a lot of fandom and you know aspects is you kind of already have that passion built in for you know whatever it is so sometimes um that helps kind of with the final product because everyone's excited about like my little pony or harry potter or maybe harry potter's a bad example these days but like harry (laughs) potter or like or you know like disney or whatever whatever have you is like you know it gets a little trickier when you're trying to kickstart and stuff like that but you know everyone is just there because they like x thing or they like this character or whatever and you know um sometimes it's a little bit less intimidating of a sell if um you know a sell to be on the project not like a like an animation cell but um if people already kind of have a base familiarity with um the thing the thing that they're working on for instance and um I don't know I think it's just kind of interesting as you know the internet it becomes more of a thing and how you know fandom and you know creative projects in general are kind of like overlapping in some perspectives so um there's there's my two cents that's really cool that you point that i I never really thought about it that way that like fandom it like you know makes it easier because it's like the worlds will be created right yeah yeah so like fans i don't know to like add on to it yes um sorry i didn't want to interrupt but um yeah that's um a lot of the perspective with uh the my little pony stuff is like i don't know how you know much um you guys looked up at just how that works but there's a lot of people doing like um you know fan fictions and um you know Uh specific like maybe they draw a picture and there's people doing pretending to be the characters doing like fan voice acting and it can be like a whole obviously it's hard to reach like you know professional studio uh production levels but you know it's it's something and people like oh i know that character because you know xyz or you know there's a different angle that you can probably add on than maybe in the traditional media like we're doing this um this kind of like colored animatic for um a thing coming up and like i want to do or touch on something that wasn't in the 
original media, but still could, you know, maybe they'll touch upon it later. So I think, and luckily, you know, companies in general um, are kind of having more of a um, laissez-faire kind of attitude where they realize that they just Mm -hmm. cease and desist, unless you're um, CBS and Star Trek stuff. That's a whole different story from my understanding. But like, you know, Disney and Nick and all that stuff, they're pretty like, you know, open to those kind of things because they realize if they just shut down fans who are just doing all this stuff nonprofit, then it's going to make them right. look bad. And also it's it's free advertising for them. So why not let it exist unless it's like a threat to their IP, which it usually never is. So That's so cool. I feel like in the way Let's See like, could relate because, you know, the way that I think, I think the story was really important to me and Dixon because it was our story about being Asian American. And I think a lot of our teammates really connected to that it being about Asian Americans and telling stories of, you know, of a marginalized community. And so I think that in a way, like, I don't think it has that same oomph of like, you know, Harry Potter already like existing and people being excited about that. But I think when it came to telling Let's Eat, I think when people watched the animatic, I think a lot of them were very excited and moved by the story because I don't think we see it enough. Um, even though there are stories of like, I think there's like Bao from Pixar and then there's like uh, one small stuff from Taiko Studios. And there's, I think a few new ones coming out from like Disney, which is like really exciting. Uh, over, over, the moon. over the moon, I was about to say. Oh yeah. I, I, over the moon, I absolutely oh my God, I have cried. so many. <laughs> Oh, really? I have so many bad thoughts about the movie. Um, I did not like it. Uh, um, but, you know, to each their own. If you liked it, great. I liked <laughs> but, it. Um, yay, I'm so glad. <laughs> I guess it's but, better like, than it not existing at all, right? Yeah, I just like have some qualms where I'm like, oh, I wish it was done by an Asian director, but that's okay. Um, Glenn Keane is amazing. Uh, but um, yeah, so I think like more of the stories and like the authenticity, you can tell when something's authentic. Like I think I've we watched like Minari uh, that is a story that someone who wasn't Korean American could tell. So like, yeah, I think it's just really important to like keep telling these stories and like you know, and keep moving forward. So, yeah, it's because yeah. I, mean, I definitely am like I remember watching Bow and I absolutely loved it. It was and I'm like the, the visual allegory and everything. I'm like I, it was so easily understood, especially when it comes from like a familial standpoint that I'm like when people are going, I don't get it. I'm like, how do you not get it? <laughs> It's like it's it, it's basically a, a mother who doesn't want to separate from her son, and she does. She's he's growing up and growing apart, and he, and she basically says like, I don't want anybody else. To, you don't. I don't want you running off and leaving me. So I'm gonna eat you, <laughs> like, like literally, so you can stay put. It's like I don't like. I don't know why anybody wouldn't follow that because it's a very. It's like it's a, it's a family viewpoint and saying it's the view of a. a a child growing up and and the parent not wanting to see that you know all that change you know so it's yeah yeah we, yeah oh sorry go, ahead. go for go ahead. Dixon I was gonna say uh, when Bao uh, was an, announced we read the, the log line 
and the log line was almost exactly like our log line and we were very, I was very concerned that <laughs> that like, like we made the same story but <laughs> once once it came out I was like oh it's it's a completely different story so yeah. I was like okay relieved you know yeah, we had a friend uh, from who was working at Pixar who, who you know, when we, like, when Bao was announced, she was like, don't worry, it's, like, not the same. And I was like, okay, cool. I, You better be telling the truth. <laughs> so, like, uh, yeah, we were so worried. And I think, yeah, it was really interesting when Bao did come out of uh, how the most people who didn't believe in Let's See actually were fellow Asian Americans. Which was re- really, really weird and surprising. But I guess in a way it made sense because there's like a huge scarcity mindset among, uh, among like Asian Americans where I don't think we feel like we have the right to have the space to tell our own stories. And so, like, I've had people come up to be like, oh, your story just sounds like Belle. Why are you making it? Oof. Uh, and I was just like, you're Asian American, come on. Like, or, you know, or like all the Asian Americans would totally, you know, they would laugh at Bao too. Like, I think I was definitely one of them uh, who didn't take Bao, like, seriously. But then, like, I think I had to, like, look inside at my own internalized racism. And then, like, you know, when I watched Bao again, like, I was, like, crying really hard. Because, like, I connected so much and, like, looked passive, like, you know. The, um, the comedy or, like, the shock factor uh, when she, like, you know, she eats, like, um, her son. And so, like, that was, like, really interesting. I think, oh, yeah, that was definitely one of the struggles we faced as Let's See, like, facing uh, uh, people rejecting Let's Eat from our fellow community. And that was, yeah. A shock but also really understanding because we also came from that same place where you know we were rejected a lot from our culture and not really belonging anywhere and so having to trick ourselves or be ashamed of ourselves in order to fit into a community that was not ours until now we're making our ours right and like telling let's eat is like I think really important to fighting and making space for ourselves to tell our stories. Hang on, something nice. I'm gonna disrupt that totally by asking more questions. But I think that's a, I think that's <laughs> yeah, a, nice, it. a very nice sentiment. Um, yeah, and I think that's that seems to always be. I mean, speaking as like a like a cis white girl kind of thing. Um, from my understanding, I think that's always kind of a you know a different, um, you know, a hard thing to kind of approach is, you know, you want people to be supportive because you're kind of from the same, you know, same tribe, quote unquote. And when they're not, it just kind of have, you have to like kind of understand why and like look how they are approaching it and what like internal struggles that they're dealing with. Are they just kind of like impersonating on your art? And it's sometimes you realize that people are kind of messy too. And it's not only it's not always about like what you're doing. It's a lot of times how other people see themselves and you know, it's, it's kind of, yeah, it's, it, it can be messy sometimes. So yeah. Yeah. How they're like processing and Mm -hmm. stuff like, yeah. Yeah. Which is why it's so important. Like when you're telling a story, it's like, keep your eye on the prize. Like remember why you're telling the story and don't really have people 
say otherwise or take it over. I think that was a really big lesson that you learned, Dixon, when you were trying to tell Etsy. It was like, I think you were having so many people comment of what it should be and how you, what you can make it. But then I think we had to constantly remind ourselves, like, remember what Let's See is supposed to be about and keep our eye on the prize and we can listen to people with a grain of salt so that we can make it into a film that really will connect to everyone, but still staying true to ourselves. Absolutely. Yeah, there was, there was one version of the film that, um, where I kind of took all the feedback that I got and I, and I made all the changes and I thought, ah, oh, I fixed it. It's going to be better. And then we screened it and then it was horrible, even worse than the previous iteration. Mm. So that, that's when we just scrapped everything. And so I, I'm going to write it again, but it's just going to be just what I want to see. And then that's exactly. the version that, that, that kind of worked out at, in the end. So that's a good lesson there. I think it, it also comes down to like, you can't please everyone. So do the best right. you can yeah. with the story that you want to tell. Because when, it, like you said, it, when you can tell it comes from a genuine, real place, like it comes from passion, it comes from a story you want to tell, then the right people will go to it, you know? And uh, you don't have to force somebody to like it. They will gravitate to it because they can they can feel it. They can feel something real, you know? So Yeah, authenticity. Yeah. Like they can, it's coming, yeah, with so much heart and soul, they can really tell. Um, yeah, and I think um, before I, I divert a little bit, I think um, there's also a little bit in just how fact or just how um, competitive the animation industry can be sometimes. And sometimes people put that kind of negative energy as like, oh, well, they're doing something. What am I doing? I'm not doing anything. I'm not getting farther in my career, yada, yada, yada. So I think there's a lot of, you know, maybe they're they're not where they're, they're ready to be to get that job or get that internship or even like, you know, physically location-wise. And then they put that, that pain on like, well, they're doing something there, you know, so I'm going to I'm going to, I'm going to crap on their thing because it will make me feel better about myself. So there's that side of it too, which is unfortunate. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah. I didn't think about that, but yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> Lots of therapy, essentially. <laughs> Being YouTubers Self-care. can be very hard sometimes. <laughs> um, you got this. Yeah, I appreciate Thank, I appreciate person I just met today. Um, so um, on another note, like, so how um, how does even the film festival route work? Is it just like submitting your piece, like your work in progress feed piece to different, you know, sites? Is there like a master site for finding like every film festival that ever existed? Can you um, submit work in progresses to film festivals? Like, or it depends on the specific one. Sorry, that's a lot of questions, but essentially like how does the film festival circuit work from your experience. Yeah, so we also had no idea what to do with the film festival, but thankfully we had mentors. Mentors are great. Get one that will hopefully actually support you and not tell you that you're like bad. <laughs> I recently just, I recently like like got a question from someone. They're like, my mentor said that like I can't, I'm not cut out for the animation industry after three years, and I was just like, get a new mentor because that's not nice. Uh, but anyways, I diverge um so film festivals uh i think one is film freeway every film festival is on that uh it's easy to uh you can apply to all the film festivals through that i don't think there's any film festival out there that is on film freeway and if they're not they're behind the times uh so film freeway uh dot com is the way to go 
um, in terms of approaching applying to film festivals, uh, there is, you know, because there's, there's like thousands of them. And, you know, there are ones that will reach out to you and they're like, hey, like for 50% off, like, you know, come apply for us, you know, you'll get a discount. But like what you realize is that a lot of film festivals do that, you know, and reach out to you because they're trying to make a quick buck. Um, and so when you're applying to film festivals, you can be strategic about it because like, you know, say for example, like if you, for Let's Eat, you know, we wanted to submit to animation film festivals. We wanted to go to Asian American film festivals. Uh, and that was pretty much it. But like, if you were creating like an LGBT one, right. Or like a, uh, a, a black like movie or like, you know, Asian, like you can submit to like like black like film festivals or like LGBT film festivals or woman focused like film festivals or trans you know so like there are film festivals that would pertain to your film or in and things like that and like and you can also tell like for a film festival that they're more mainstream and so you know they're or they're like the more abstract uh, like, what's that glass animation studio, or glass animation film festival in Berkeley? Like, they're very, uh, you mean, like, ex- explorative, avant, right? avant, Avant-garde style? Yeah. Yeah, yeah avant-garde like experimental. style, like, animation. Yeah. yeah. So, like, they were very much of that theme, and, like, Let's Eat was not, like, you know, Let's Eat was very, like, Disney- Pixar, like, easy to, like, consume animation, not, like, the ones that, like, make you feel like you're, like, on LSD. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, that's a strategy you can approach to, you know, film festivals, because, like, applying to film festivals is expensive. Like, it can cost from to free to $50 a pop. Uh, And, you know, and so, like, let's say if you apply to 30 film festivals and each of them costs $50, that's $1,500 right there. And you're not guaranteed to get in. So it's a lot of money. Uh, And also, like, well, we didn't have to worry about this because of COVID, but there's also travel, too. So being able to travel to every film festival to participate in that you get into it's also a concern. So, like, thinking about which ones you actually want to participate in or, like, go to and which ones you're just like, I just want to show my film there. Blah. That's it. So, uh, in terms of applying, submitting your film early, some film festivals will accept that. Uh, because I think for... I don't know how to speak for a live action, but for, I think... For, uh, for animation films, I think some film festivals know it takes a long time. Like, you're, like, in the middle of rendering or something. Or, like, you're putting in the final, like, compositing, like, touches and or whatever. And so if you just, like, email the film festival and things like that, they, I think, will be okay with it. But most of the time, you need a final product. Uh, and the film festival will say, like, you know, you can submit any film that was made before 2020 of December and so that's usually how you go you know so like you could be applying in 2022 and then you could still put in a film that you made in 2020 because it meets that rule uh I think especially for animation Mm -hmm. that would make a lot of sense because animation takes a really long time (laughs) right Uh, but live action I don't know how that goes so 
right. Yeah. But those film festivals that do take it early, it, you kind of have to be almost done, though. Like, you, you're, you're probably should be around 80, 90% done. I, I don't think they'll take it. Not, not, I would say, like, 98% yeah. done. Yeah, or, or even Because, so, like, yeah. 90 is, like, you still got, like, six months right. left. Like, <laughs> but, like, you have to be, like, 99% done. Like, you're just putting in the final right. touches. They won't take anything, like, 50, 60, or 70% done. Yeah. Yeah, like, I think I think one film festival was saying, like, your story had to be locked. Like, your shots had to be locked um, in order to apply. So, um, follow-ups. Um, so, do all film festivals cost money to... I mean, I guess that's how they do it, right? And then um, the other one is, like, I guess you kind of alluded to this. Actually, no. Really? Uh, animate, uh, anim- most animation film festivals are free. That's nice. But they're in Europe. <laughs> <laughs> there's like there's I don't catch. know for some reason like there's there's like no film animation film festival in the United States. They're mostly in Europe. You got duped. <laughs> yeah, you got dupes. Yeah, but they're free, you know. But they're in Europe, so like. But I think there are a few here. Uh, but I think the competition's also very very popular. So yeah. And the, then I guess the other one, so I guess the average is like around 50 bucks, I guess, depending. Yeah, like 20 to, I think some of them could be 80 even. But like, so the key is um, doing early access. So like submitting your film festival early. There's like early birds, then there's regular, and then there's late. But the earlier you submit your film to a film festival, right, the, the sooner it's going to be viewed and the more likely it's going to be selected. So, like, if you can't, like, you know, what I would do, like, if you're in a production that's, like, you know, two years, start looking at film festivals a year out uh, or a year and a half to just see when, which, like, which film festivals are showing because they kind of show throughout the whole year. Uh, I think the summertime is the most popular or, like, spring, summer. Um, And so you should, like, and then so the application happens in the fall. So you had to kind of find the timing of when to apply to film festivals and like and when to wrap your production so that you can make it in time to apply for those fall uh, submissions and then so then you can make it into the spring. Okay. Um, and then I guess last question on that, like so, I again you kind of alluded to it, but like um, so you can sometimes you can just submit your film and not attend the actual event and just hope it, I guess you get an email that if it got a prize or something like that. Yeah, I I mean we got a prize and I don't think I knew until one of my teammates pointed out to me that like hey you got an award I was like what <laughs> I was like that's cool <laughs> uh, yeah I don't think I knew about we got like the jury award at the Palm Springs Animation International Film Festival mm. or something right mm-hmm. yeah and I didn't know about it until I don't know like a week later I think you were traveling maybe. <laughs> But, yeah, uh, but this year was really weird because of, of the the pandemic. So, I mean, I, I'm sure if it wasn't the case, I think Amy and I would like go around to actually vi- like uh, visit or attend these festivals. But most right. of them didn't have uh, any events. They're they're mostly like um, on demand, where where they sell tickets and then people get to watch it. But then there's no like event that you know central event. So. It was a weird year, so we, we. Yeah, I think they had virtual rooms to like go and hang out and stuff. Oh right, right, yeah, that's right. Um, but I didn't have the energy to go. <laughs> <out>. <laughs> I, so, I was just it's like not the same, uh, yeah. 
I also I almost imagined like because I remember going to like a film festival screening. It was for like I think it was for like student films kind of thing, like film outside the frame. That's what I remember going to years ago. And I just remember being put in the overflow room. And I'm, now I'm just imagining going to a film festival. And like, if there's like a virtual overflow room. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, you can't do that. Virtual room should have, you know, more space because it's virtual. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, but definitely film festivals, I think, this year. You know, because they had to make a buck. So they were, you know, selling tickets and think, figure out the bigger way. And I think... I think probably a big question that they're asking themselves this year, too, was, like, exclusivity. Like, how do you work with that Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. when you're showing, when you're doing on-demand stuff online and people couldn't watch from their computer and record or whatever? So I think that was a huge fear with a lot of filmmakers, um, for sure. But I think for me, Dixon, I think, I don't know if he cared too much, except maybe at the beginning, like, really early on, but... As the year went by, I think we got more relaxed. They were like, yeah, whatever, just show on whatever you want. Like, uh, I just, we just want to release it, you know, so. Okay, um, I'm out of questions. I was um, going to say, though, um, I guess ultimately now, after all of, after you've, you know, completed the film, you had it going through film festivals and you're soon ready to de- debut it online. Like, what has been your, maybe for, it could be one or multiple uh, what were some of your biggest takeaways from making an independent animated short film for the first time? Oh, as a bigger team, you know. That's a loaded question. <laughs> yeah, Dixon, you should totally go first. Um, sure. Uh, well, for me, uh, I think obviously I was speaking earlier on this, uh, the amount of experience that you will gain from, you know, uh, get, uh, making a short film like this, I think it's, it's worth it. And then the other thing, too, is like, uh, if you make a short film, you will you'll expand your network. So like, if you want to expand your network, just make a short film and, you know, like for instance, like now I know 152 people, you know, it, that's in the, that's in this industry and that's that's pretty awesome to know that many people in a short amount of time. So that's, yeah, that's what I would say. Experience and, and just that network was, was awesome and, and the experience was, was really satisfying too. Yeah, like you recently got an opportunity to interview like a dreamworks because yeah of let's see yeah and that wouldn't happen if i didn't make this film so yeah and i don't think i could have gotten my opportunity at tonka house because uh, because of let's see yeah and there's uh, multiple people on the team that uh ha- have gone on to to pretty awesome jobs because because of their experience too so that's fantastic cool. yeah yeah that was really neat I feel like I say this over and over again. I think let's see in this creating an indie animated volunteer, you know, production, like put us through everything. And so I feel like the largest takeaway was that if like you have the resources and like the grit to like start making your own short film, do it. And I think with Let's Eat, we got so lucky on so many things. Like, I don't, I think Let's Eat could have easily have failed if certain things didn't happen. We were just, like, really lucky with, like, the people that worked on our team and 
with the instances that happened, like even the acquisition of that company we were working with, like that actually turned out to be a blessing in disguise too, like a huge blessing. Like we got, you know, seventy five grand because of that oh, wow. acquisition. Wow. So and like you know we were able to like you know do a lot of experience our production in a very very different way, and that was like. Really, really neat. But like you know, I when you start your production, I think one really big thing is like to not be afraid of failure, because I think there's a percentage out there saying like seventy percent of short films, especially animation, will fail. Or w- and won't, so, won't but finish, with yeah. each, huh? Oh, sorry. I, I think it's won't finish or something. Oh, well, won't yes, finish. Yeah, right. Yeah, they won't. They won't finish. You know, and you know, and I think, like. That may be true, but with every attempt, you learn something really valuable. Right. And so as creators, the best thing to do is, like, just to keep trying and learning. And with everything you learn, like, every time you do it, you'll you'll learn something. And so I think with Let's Eat, we got really, really lucky that we were able to finish with such a great product. Um, but, yeah, I, there's so many takeaways, but I don't know enjoy it enjoy the process enjoy creating bonds with teammates because at the end of the day an animation an animation production is a marathon Mm -hmm. and so you know you might as well make a very make it a very enjoyable trip with the people that you're working with and making lifelong friends yeah i guess in the end that's really kind of more or less the advice that you have for anybody else who wants to be able to do what you guys do and wanting to make their own films is basically following those guidelines and just, uh, yeah, again, coming with experience, whether the film gets finished or not, there's a lot that you can pull from that experience anyway. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, and, and there's, I guess you could say there's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot that is learned and a lot of maturity in the process as well. Um, yeah, which kind of reminds me of this thing i think that kp said i think earlier about like how when people like ask you to work on projects they you know like they're trying to pull the rug on you or take advantage of you but then i think you know i think everyone does have like their best has other people's best interest in mind and so when you're working or if you're leading or even if you're being a part if you're not leading you're just being a part of it like, I think to have that faith that people have best interest is good. Uh, but also, like, you know, in order to create, like, a really good team dynamic is to have the best interest of each other. Um, and so I think I you hear, like, a lot of horror stories of, like, volunteer projects. Like, I think one of our teammates was, like, telling us how she was on another project and someone was saying, like, you had to work put in, like, 18 hours a week and she didn't meet those 18 hours. And so, like, the producer came, like asked her to like come to his house and like so he could just like watch her work (laughs) to make sure that she could like make up her hours and now it's like no absolutely not we are not doing that we're gonna do the opposite thing because we're humans and life happens and this is a volunteer project and there's no way that you it's like unheard of to like control people i think that way in that lifestyle unless like they agree to those expectations and but that's just, like, I think there's a boundary where, like, you're like, oh, my gosh, you can't control people like that. Yeah. That's absurd. Some, something of that I learned is that people are either going to do it or they're not going to do it. And, um, you know, 
you can like I mean, as you you guys probably know this, but you got to just kind of put people like in a metaphorical box, like be nice about it, but be like, so when, you know, you still have to have deadlines, you still have to kind of have a plan just generally. And when the plan falls through and people aren't communicating, that's when there's a problem. But like, uh, you know, if if people are just falling behind and you can tell like you can't, there's nothing really, you know, you can try to work it out with them and they either like at the end of the day, they can balance it with their life or they can't. And, you know, the, for the people who can't, there's nothing, you know, they're not bad people, but, you know, maybe they're just not ready or, you know, they're, you know, they have something going on that's more serious that you might not know about. There's all a lot of different factors going on, but, you know, that's kind of the, the, the thing, you know, with, uh, especially when you're doing everything like via the internet and stuff like that, you kind of have to trust people at their word and you, you know, communication, communication, like it's, it's better to know about a problem than someone just not saying anything and then the problem might get worse. So. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I think with Let's Eat, we were, you know, adding people who were graduate, graduates, recent graduates or uh, students. And so like a part, like I think Dixon and I knew at the beginning that we would be working with people who didn't know how to communicate. So in the beginning, we made it very clear that we would be teaching them how to communicate. And that was like part of the process of like being part of Let's Eat. So and like, you know, asking them, like, would they be willing to learn? Uh, you know, and like, you know, we would like, I think I would just like spell it out for them, be like, you know, you're going to learn how to communicate via Slack and how to communicate with your production coordinator and then uh, how to, you know, meet these deadlines and communicate when you can't meet these deadlines. And so then I would teach my production coordinators of how to communicate that to the teammates and like look out for them. And we would have like meetings with them being like, hey, like, I know you said you're busy next time just make sure that you let us know and give us a week and then some teammates actually really did improve with communicating they're like hey my school's really crazy it's wild like i just need like another like two weeks and things like that um and then like you know these people were also learning what they could actually handle and what they couldn't right and so i think on our management side we also understood that too that these people were still trying to like you know dial in what they could handle, what they couldn't handle. Because they, I don't know, they're like in their 20s or like, you know, younger, yeah. right? They always so want to like, perf- perf- <laughs> wanna try to impress people, but then that might Yeah, they always want to say yes, right? And I'm yeah. like, you know, no, like this is a time to say no. <laughs> like, uh, or like things like that. And there was just a, like really good growth opportunities, I think, for a lot of teammates and stuff like that. And um, so, yeah, I think the people that I noticed that I was always impressed by were the ones who could tell me no and actually explain and communicate. So, like, that was really great. Yeah, um, I think, um, I guess my, our, our, our general last question, unless Lauren, you want to throw something in. So um, now that, uh, I, I remember the program, the, the site, but the program, or the site that you talked about kind of went down. So where were people, where, do you, from your experience, do you think people would go if they want to, find um people for their short films and or where do you think people should go if they maybe they're not the ones running the short films but they just want to volunteer or they want to kind of get that experience i hear discord is a really great place to do it actually like for um like women in animation this this is discord i think for that and then there's also like rise up animation i think has a discord too like there's a lot of discord channels out there 
Um, like, I think there's a lot of, like, VR and things like that. So I think it's a matter of finding those communities and, like, and chatting up with them. So. Okay, yeah, I didn't, I, I mean, yeah, I, I didn't know uh, Leah had a, had a uh, Discord group. I didn't but know I guess either. everyone's like, getting now a Discord I got, group. Now I gotta, like, now I gotta get in there. I'm like, I'm a member. I'm like, where am I? <laughs> I gotta get yeah, there. I'm a member too. Yeah. That's one way. I otherwise, I, I would say conventions, but like, where is that happening? <laughs> so, like, I think I guess just I guess whenever right? they start, Lauren's gonna have to be the the woman on the field, being like, "Hey, have you heard about this thing? Go give give me your firstborn child." <laughs> yes, like, please work for me. We can work to make a thing. Um. All right. I I am out of questions Laura, yeah i'm like out of questions? yeah yeah we're at the end i mean we already got that we usually like to end on like what advice you have for people and we pretty much we pretty much got that so we're that like five times yeah so, so. <laughs> <laughs> well thank you guys for coming um this was a yeah this was a really good episode so uh i appreciate um your guys' time and uh when uh your when let's eat is released where can people find it on the internet we will be sharing it <laughs> oh thank you that really means a lot um youtube it's just gonna be on youtube we just want to share it with our loved ones so and then how soon and are you well... planning on on releasing it um i believe it's september 26 perfect okay so yeah that because i think with this episode we'll have it ready in a week about, about a week right so it's like so it'll still be before the film drops and we'll so that way people will know about it and then we'll be able to plug so there you go. Woo-hoo. Awesome. Thanks so much. Yeah. Really appreciate yeah, it. Thank you guys for, for coming on. Thank I'm you. so glad we were able to do this. And thank you to Rachel and it, 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 my my Rachel from high school, Rachel Yelenek, not not KP Rachel. <laughs> but yes, to KP Rachel for, for being a, a fantastic co-host as always. Uh, <laughs> yes. Thank you both so much. It's It's like the two Rachels. Thank you. (laughs) And um, yeah, and uh, again, I'm like, I was able to see it in advance. So I'm really excited for the rest of the world to see it who has not seen it yet. And for people who have seen it, they get to see it again. So um, (laughs) so I'm I'm very excited for you guys. And thank you so much again for joining us today. No problem. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you. And uh, I guess, uh, I I guess, uh, KP, you want to do the the sign-off spiel yeah <laughs> all right so if you're new to the podcast um we release when we feel like it usually twice a month at this point um we'll probably start picking up because there's more things to talk about um in general so me and lauren can talk about some things but um please remember as always turn your notifications on and subscribe to the main channel um it's getting a little like it's getting a little better we we um release some more to twi video and that's doing okay which makes me sad a little bit on the inside but i kind of figured a meme video would be fine um or do okay-ish um and then the podcast is mostly on youtube that's where people consume it too so subscribe there if you'd like to if not we're on the all the podcast providers if you'd rather listen to it somewhere else like apple podcasts all that kind of stuff yeah so um that way you actually know when episodes come on you know imagine that so probably every other Wednesday and uh, every other Wednesday at this current time but there's plenty of backlog if you're new to the to the podcast yeah it's funny because actually I was gonna say pot out I was gonna say because we mentioned earlier uh, Dragon Prince was mentioned earlier so you could go back and listen to the episode with Giancarlo Volpe who was on who did Avatar and also did Dragon Prince so there you go there's a (laughs) there's a connection there. there you go 
the best one of the one of the he's a cool, he's a, he's cool, guy. A cool guy i'm hoping to get him back eventually <laughs> but um so thank thank yeah, you again uh, for everyone for for tuning in and we will be seeing you all next time metaphorically seeing, seeing you. we won't be actually he, spying on you that's creepy. you'll be hearing us you'll be hearing from us <laughs> you know said with affection <laughs> good night everybody Thank you so much for listening to Animation Communication on YouTube, Spotify, or your favorite podcast provider. We are really hoping this show makes a difference in how people view animation and media, as well as giving and providing advice for people all over the world who like or want to join the animation or media industry. If you liked what you heard, please remember to subscribe and rate those five stars, as well as tell your friends. Don't forget to subscribe to our main YouTube channel, I Love Kim Possible A Lot, and turn those notifications on. My name is Scribbler, and you have been listening to Animation Communication.